Hello, my lovely ones, and welcome to Mumming with Magli, the podcast for any mum who has absolutely no idea what the fuck she's doing. I'm Magli, your host, and I can confirm I have no idea what I'm doing. Join me every week as I try and tackle this parenting business, the ups and downs, and the many trials and tribulations. Other moms will also join us and share their story. Let's open up the conversation around the hardships of motherhood and all the pressure that comes with it. Hopefully, it'll make us all feel less alone in feeling lost and completely winging it. I know I am. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hi team, Magli here. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest with you. I feel quite nervous today about recording this podcast. I had my finger hovering over the record button for ages, but I just thought, okay, I'm going to press. I need to bite the bullet and go. And that's because obviously I come to these recordings with, you know, a theme in mind and sort of what I'm going to talk about. And sometimes I have some notes. And today I don't have any notes because I would like to delve a little bit deeper into my postpartum depression. At the moment, I'm actually in a really good headspace at the moment. And I think that's why I feel like I can talk about it a little bit more. Often when a wound is still open, and it, it is like a wound, it's it's an internal wound that just takes so long to heal. And has it completely healed for me? I don't think that it has. And actually, sometimes I wonder, will it ever completely heal? You know, will I ever feel like I'm doing okay? Like I'm a good mom? like I've you know I've I've got a handle on things I'm <laughs> I'm not sure but yeah that's what I would like to talk about today because the light at the end of the tunnel for me is I can see it and for a really really long time I never thought that there would be I thought that I would live in this sadness in this loss in this grief forever on top of the guilt that I felt for feeling like this right because when you have a baby when you become a mom isn't meant to be the best thing in the world isn't that meant to be you know your sense of purpose fulfilled and for me it wasn't like that at all I started to experience postpartum depression um, not until I think, oh, I don't know, it's difficult. Did it start before and I just didn't really realize it until a little bit later on? I'm not sure. And probably, you know, I don't think that one day I just woke up with it. I think slowly it just started to build a nest inside of me. And don't get me wrong, some days would still be okay. And then I would wake up the next day and it would feel like a slap in the face. I was just, it felt like the walls were closing in on me. And it doesn't feel like that anymore. <laughs> And I will share a little bit more about, you know, things that I've done in my life, things that I've changed in my daily routine that that have helped me. And maybe they might help some of you as well if you feel like you're in a situation like this or if you feel like you've experienced it or maybe you're in it now. And, and if you are, oh my goodness, my heart goes out to you. And let me tell you that it's completely okay. I think that's one of the biggest things for me. I just, I didn't realize that other people had gone through what I was feeling before. I just, it didn't feel like it was spoken about, which is why I really want to speak about it. I just, I didn't know that this was a thing that I could feel so sad and so bad about having a baby. And it, and it's ridiculous because there is such pressure, you know, you have this baby. And the first thing people ask you is like, oh my gosh, is it amazing? Things like that. And and in my head, what are you meant to say? Am I meant to reply no? I'm hating life. I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with my child. Like, you can't say that to people. So you fake a smile. And on the inside, you are just 
crumbling, 100% crumbling. And you feel like you have to hide yourself. You feel like you have to hide how you're truly feeling. And even from your partner sometimes, because, you know, I'm a proud person. I want to come across like, it's okay, I've got this. George would come home sometimes and say, hey, has it been a good day? And it got to a point, at the beginning, I was honest, you know, oh, today's been tough. Oh, today's been another difficult day. Oh, yeah, that's been difficult, blah, blah, blah. But then it got to a point and I'm tired. I'm tired of saying it's tough. I just, I want it to stop. I just, I want it to stop. And I just felt so helpless. Why, why is it so hard? Why am I so sad? Why am I not enjoying it? Why do I not want to wake up in the morning? Because I know that the day ahead is just... I don't even know. I don't even feel like I have the words. Um, gosh, <laughs> I hadn't expected to get quite so deep <laughs> and quite so emotional so quickly. <laughs> oh, you have to, you have to laugh <laughs> because oh my gosh, laughing is just. <laughs> Honestly, it's the world's best kept secret <laughs> that having a child is difficult. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why isn't this posted on billboards everywhere? You know, <laughs> like, don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There are, of course, magical aspects. And I hate that I feel like I have to justify that as well, right? Disclaimer, don't worry, it's okay. I love my child. Like, why do I feel the need to send that disclaimer out into the world as if people are going to judge me for feeling like this? But the problem is you do feel like that when you're in this headspace of not wanting to wake up in the morning, not wanting to spend time with your own kid, not wanting her to wake up from a nap because you're going to have to be with her and you don't know how to be with her you don't know I didn't know how to be with her I didn't know what to do I would look at her and I just felt so disconnected so disconnected and what do you do with that what do you do one with that feeling and two with the guilt of a feeling like that because I just felt so bad and I think potentially I did put a lot of pressure on myself but I, I didn't know, I didn't know how else. I just kept thinking to myself, like, you're bad. I, the demons on my shoulder were telling me that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't love her enough, that I wasn't doing enough, that I wasn't good enough as a person and as a mom, and that maybe I didn't, you know, I didn't deserve this, but you can't help it. You, you just, oh, uh, it's, <coughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> oh my gosh, you just, you can't help yourself you just got you honestly you can't help how you feel at the time and I want you to know if you have experienced it or you are experiencing it it is okay it is okay and not only is it okay to feel like that but I promise you it passes I promise you that this time will pass and I spent months and months and months thinking to myself this is my life now this is my life and I just need to accept that I'm not I'm not sure I'm ever going to be happy again which I know sounds really depressing but that's the thing I was depressed I was 100% depressed and for a while I don't think I even really realized it because I just thought I wasn't doing right I thought that 
obviously I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing. I'm, am I even cut out for this? Did I make a bad decision? Because we did decide to have a baby, you know, George and I, and was I wrong? Was I, was I wrong? Did I make a mistake? And actually I'm not cut out for this. I'm not meant to be a mum, and I'm never going to figure it out. And I'm never going to be, you know, a good mum. the mum that this helpless, innocent, beautiful little being needs me to be. And let me tell you, it passes. I promise you that it passes. And when you're in it, it is so hard. You can't see anything clearly. So many times, honestly, the smallest decision would make me crumble. The smallest decision made me feel completely overwhelmed. George would come home and be like, oh, hey, what do you fancy for dinner? And it's just, my brain could not even compute. And a friend of mine, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not really pro-medication. I'm much more of a holistic healing style person and you know those are my beliefs that's how I live my life and that's okay um and you know if you're pro medication of course that's okay too just to confirm like medicine a hundred percent has its place in the world and which is why I'm going to say I have a very close friend of mine and I'm really grateful because I think I don't even know how she noticed and I should ask her but one day she called me and she said she has experienced this, by the way. So she was talking from experience that she's been on and off antidepressants. She's got a little one, you know, she experienced postpartum depression in her own way, right? Because it will look different for everyone. So if you know what I'm saying resonates with you, but not everything resonates with you, like that's also okay. This is just what it looked like and felt like for me. But she called me and she said, Magli, you know, and it's interesting because I did not know this there can be a genuine chemical imbalance in the brain, which means that no matter what, you may not feel better until you're able to rebalance that chemical imbalance in the brain. And I heard her and I was really grateful. And I think that was the second conversation that I had that really planted the seed in my head, like, okay, I might actually have a problem and problem sounds so negative, but like it, I mean, nothing about this is positive, is it? <laughs> But I think genuinely, that being said, though, the one thing I will take from my postpartum depression is that I've really understood that you just can't judge anyone for what they're going through because I'm sure that sometimes I looked a mess leaving the house or I snapped at people or I don't even know why, I can't even think of the right examples at the moment. But if those people were judging me on my actions, then you know what? fuck you is all I've got to say because you have no idea what was going on inside and so I would encourage you to just you know smile at everyone in the street because you just don't know we just do not know what people are going through one other thing and actually to be fair this probably was the main thing at the time I used to write a lot um, in the in the depths, you know, of my postpartum depression, I used to write. I found it therapeutic, I guess, similar to me doing the podcast now, but I hadn't really thought of the idea of doing the podcast. And actually, to be fair, the podcast, another reason why, you know, I'm grateful that I experienced my depression, because this is where the podcast came from. I felt so alone in a lot of the emotions that I was feeling inside me and I felt like no one was really talking about it and I thought, right, I've got to put this to an end. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but having a kid is not fucking glamorous and I need, to, <laughs> I need to tell the world because I did not know. Not that I thought it was going to be glamorous, but I don't really know. I think it's not that I thought it was going to be easier or it's not that I had any expectations I just I hadn't expected it to be quite so not glamorous to be quite so 
soul destroying <laughs> sometimes because you just completely lose sight of yourself, your identity, your physical body, your mental body, your emotional body, you know, the relationship with your partner because you just. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> That's how my brain is feeling now. Just, you know, trying to think of words to explain it. But I couldn't. I I said this to someone. I can't remember who I said this to. And when I said it, I just, I broke down crying. This was a little while ago when I was in it, really in it. And I admitted this. And I had been feeling like this for a really long time. But I hadn't actually said it out loud. And when I said it out loud, I just broke down crying because it felt because I knew that it was true inside and I felt so bad and so guilty and so shameful of one saying it out loud and you know just feeling it in the first place. I felt like I was in a prison. I was at home. I was stuck. The walls were closing in on me. I I couldn't leave the house like and I knew that leaving the house would make me feel better and Isla you know bring fresh air healthy but and we did leave the house but it just it was so effortful and I think it was also in winter February uh, March is when it really took took a deep deep uh, decline and it was cold outside and I was probably on a <laughs> on a come down for, you know, my first Christmas with my baby and my family and it's tough. Um I've gone off in a tangent again. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, I was talking about grateful for my depression, the podcast. Oh yes, at the time I was writing a lot. Like I said, similar to doing this podcast, I found it really therapeutic. And every so often I would share my writings on social media. I guess it's sort of blog but I don't know why blog sounds really like poncy <laughs> so I'm just gonna call them writings but they're on my website you know if you're interested um I would put them on social media just for anyone that was you know maybe a little bit curious into what it was like postpartum for me and I got a message from a girl that I went to school with a long long time ago when I was about 12 and I've changed schools since then so it's not like you know we've known each other um from 12 to like 18. I moved away from that school when I was 14 so like you know it was a really long time ago and then when I left, we didn't speak for, not for any particular reason, you know, life just um, brought us in different directions and stuff like that. Anyway, she sent me a message on social media after I had published this blog. And she said, hi, I've just read what you've written. And I really think that you have postpartum depression. And I got that message. And I thought, fuck you. What do you know? I never actually replied to the message. I don't think I felt so angry. I felt so angry that from my point of view, there I was trying to be honest and vulnerable and just share a side to motherhood that I didn't feel was out there in the world. And I'm being slapped in the face with the fact that I've got postpartum depression because at that time, although I was finding it difficult, I hadn't labeled it, I guess. And maybe I was just, I don't really know what I was doing. I was just going through what I was going through, trying to navigate it uh, the best way that I could. And at the time it was writing and trying to share just, I had no idea. I was lost. I was completely lost. Anyway, she said that to me and I was furious. I had so much anger towards her, so much resentment. Like you don't even know me anymore. Anyway, I spoke to a friend of mine a couple of days later 
and I messaged her and I said, I think I've got postpartum depression. And that came after a succession of quite bad days where I would be on the phone to George, you know, crying and saying, you need to come home because I'm with Isla and I'm not sure I can do this. Um, I'm not sure I can just be with her. And it got to a point I just, I didn't even feel like I'm not, and I can't take care of her. Like, I think if I'm left here by myself, I'm I'm not going to cause her any harm. But that's something that I remember the NHS asking me, actually, because I did seek help, professional help through the NHS. But if you've, you know, sought help through the NHS, you know that it takes a really long time. And by the time they were able to get someone out to me, I was in a much better headspace. We had changed, you know, things within our life, which I'll share in a minute. But anyway, yes, I remember uh, when I was seeking help, therapy through the NHS, I remember the NHS doctor saying to me, uh, do you want to harm your child? And that made me want to cry because no, I didn't. I never felt like that. But gosh, like postpartum depression sometimes can be so bad, so deep inside of you that you feel so disconnected from your baby that you want to harm them. Like, it's it's unbelievable. Anyway, um, I felt like I wasn't really in the right headspace. You know, George needed to come home and and be with us because I'm, I'm I feel so bad admitting this, but she was crying and I didn't really want to comfort her. I was I felt angry that she was here. You know, and oh, it's so it's so difficult. Um, and looking back, like I'm really feeling that now. I really felt like this, but it's funny because now that I'm <laughs> out the other side in my head I'm like was it that hard really likely like could you not have given yourself just a kick up the bum but it was so debilitating this emotional roller coaster that I was experiencing <laughs> it was unbelievable um anyway I messaged my friend and I said I think I've got postpartum depression and she said okay she hasn't got a baby um and that was that I I accepted that we were going to have to, you know, drastically change our lifestyle so that I could feel better about life, not just about being a mum, uh, just about life in general, feel better about myself uh, as Magli, as my own person and human, feel a bit better about this lack of sense of purpose that I feel I have Um I've spoken about this before that for me having Isla it's not that I thought that it would fulfill my sense of purpose by the way I don't really know what I thought again I don't think I had any expectations I just <laughs> hadn't expected <laughs> the roller coaster that it actually would be <laughs> but I'm I'm someone I'm really ambitious and I want to fulfill my sense of purpose whatever that might look like and I'm not sure if we ever really realize it until we're actively doing it but I don't want to have to stop the pursuit of it because I'm home with my kid 24-7 I'm sorry that life isn't for me and actually to be fair I genuinely I thought that that life it's not that I thought the life would be for me is that I thought that I would be able to do both at the same time I thought that I would be able to stay home and actively pursue my sense of purpose, whether that be, you know, as a yoga teacher, which is genuinely where I feel it lies, not just a yoga teacher, but holding space for people uh, through meditation, through yoga. I've held women's circles, just holding space for people, mainly women, to feel 
better and more confident in themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. That's genuinely where I feel like my sense of purpose lies in this world. That's what I feel my duty is in this world. But I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> this is me, classic me, again, going off in a tangent. Um, what was I saying? Sense of purpose. I didn't expect it to not be Isla. Oh, yes, I was saying, I actually, yes, I thought that I was going to be able to do both, right? Be a stay-at-home mom and pursue my sense of purpose. And I would like to point out that the guilt of realizing that actually Isla wasn't fulfilling my sense of purpose was, you know, another layer of, of the depression that I was experiencing. Because it's not just sadness, it's loss, it's grief. For me, grief and birth really go hand in hand. I grieved so much. I grieved what I thought motherhood would be like. I grieved my life before being a mum, right? Because I hadn't, hadn't realized that I was, you know, it's a complete, it's a new chapter. That life without Isla is over. <laughs> without wanting to come across doom and gloom, it's done. You can't go back. You know, that life is done. And I grieved a lot of the things that maybe I wish I'd done or, you know, things I'd experienced or places I'd explored, etc., etc. I grieved what I thought the future would look like because I had this image in my head ish and it I was what I was experiencing wasn't the glamorized image that I feel like is put out there in the world for mums so I believe grief really does go hand in hand with birth anyway me going off on a tangent again um oh yeah oh my god <laughs> right we're going back I thought that I was gonna be not just a stay-at-home mom but I thought I was gonna be able to do both and actually I realized that I wasn't gonna be able to do both and I did a lot, a lot of work on accepting that it was okay, that my focus was actually more on my sense of purpose as a person rather than my role as a mum. And it's still difficult for me to say that out loud, but I think that it's okay. And actually, it's made me appreciate my mum a lot more because my mum was a full-time working mum. And when I was a kid, I think I resented her a lot for not being at home more. And I think that's why in my head I had wanted to be at home much more because I had wanted potentially a better relationship than I had with my mum growing up. Now, I will say, I think my mum is superwoman, by the way. I'm very close to my mum now and I wouldn't change a thing because, you know, everything works out in the end and I wouldn't be where I am, she wouldn't be where she is, we wouldn't be where we are if, you know, those things hadn't happened. Um, but... That's why I think in my head I had wanted to be at home. <laughs> Quickly realized that wasn't for me. I was struggling and we needed to take some action. So this is the biggest action that we took. I spoke to George and actually it's also my mum that encouraged me to do this. I'm very lucky I'm in a position where I do feel very supported by, by my mum, even though she's not here physically. She lives in France and we're in the UK you know, she's always there. I can talk to her about anything. And I'm, you know, luckily someone I do feel comfortable talking about my emotions to any Tom, Dick and Harry, really. <laughs> Anyone that's willing to listen, obviously, <laughs> which is why I've started this. Someone listen to me. Listen to my travels. This is basically therapy without having to pay for therapy. Christ almighty. Um. Anyway, and my mom, she's quite pragmatic and she helped me see things from a bit more of a pragmatic point of view. For example, asking myself questions like, 
What do I think would help me right now? What is it that I need? What is it that I feel is missing in my life that's making me feel so sad and empty inside? You know, what will help me at the moment? What do I need? If I could have something, what would it be? And for me, the answer to that question was time. I felt like I had absolutely no time to myself, by myself, to continue working on myself and continue, you know, pursuing my sense of purpose, my passion, holding space, yoga, etc, etc. So that was step one to carve out time. How can we carve out time? I'm home 24 seven, right? Let's get a childminder. So we did a little bit of budgeting with George. And I mean, <laughs> I will admit I'm a bit of an impatient person and actually it took longer than I thought it would to find a childminder. These things get booked so far in advance. I just hadn't imagined. And also because I hadn't planned on needing one, I hadn't really, you know, thought about it. Anyway, finally, <laughs> we got one. Oh, and I will say I'm in a really lucky position as well that George's sister, I've mentioned her before and she's an absolute godsend. When she works shift works and, you know, assuming it works with her shift pattern, she will always take Isla if and when we need her. And I'm really, really grateful for that. It has to be said, because actually, apart from Hannah, we don't have any family. I think that's why I felt so alone at the beginning, alone you know, in my thoughts and in my feelings, how I was experiencing motherhood and literally physically alone. George was at work. My mum isn't here. George's family, unfortunately, his mum is no longer with us. Um, so his dad and his sister, they live about just under an hour away. And I mean, granddads are great, but granddads aren't the ones you go to when you need, you know, <laughs> when you need help and you need them to have the baby for like a whole day. <laughs> They're the ones you go to, you know, if you need a wee, <laughs> maybe a shower, or you need to run a quick errand. Fine, granddad, great. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, grateful for Hannah. I've gone off on a tangent once again. Yes, childminding. So finally we got a childminder and yeah, that was the biggest shift for us. And at first I felt so guilty because again, there was this devil on my shoulder being like, you're obviously not tough enough. You're not good enough. You're not cut out for this. What do you mean you need a childminder to look after your own kid? You wanted a kid and now you can't look after her. And I had to work really, really, really hard to quieten those demons and I guess in a way I'm also lucky that because I went to childminding and I grew up with babysitters and au pairs I knew that it was okay because I think the world of my mum now so if my mum superwoman in my eyes if she needed some help it's okay that I need help and if you're in a position where you don't feel like you're coping alone, that is okay. We were never meant to do this alone. When you think about it, back in the day, people were having kids and like families were living together for a really, really long time, like three generations living together in the same house because parents would go to work and grandparents would look after them, you know? And actually one of the friends that I was, uh, that I spoke about, she's always said that she spent a lot of time with her gran because her mum had to go to work but we weren't in a position I'm actually not very close to my grandparents because we moved around quite a lot and then my mum now is in another country as well and well I mean she's working although she's actually retiring this year <laughs> she's very excited so maybe now she can come <laughs> she can help and she can look after Isla um but anyway so yes childminding it is okay to get a childminder 
to look into nurseries, look into daycare. It does not make you a bad parent. It took me a little bit of time, but actually I've accepted that. And if anything, you know what? I think it makes me a better parent because it makes me a better person because I have time now for myself to focus on my well-being, to focus on my passions, on my career, to make the house, you know, nice and clean. And I know that's not, you know, my sense of purpose. <laughs> Trust you me. <laughs> that is not my sense of purpose but you know it helps when you have a clear space it helps you know clear the mind and stuff and at one point I was in a headspace honestly the house was not getting touched and it was just oh, it just felt so much it, it was just so fuzzy in my brain everything was closing in on me and time passes because oh my gosh the light at the end of the tunnel guys it is so bright it is so so bright for me when I didn't even think there was one. I thought that there was no light. I thought that this was going to be my life forever. Oh, but it does get better. <laughs> I promise you it gets better. And you know what the great thing is actually is that not only, it has taken some time by the way, she's been going to childminding for about eight months. And only in the last couple of months have I really started to feel like a huge shift, you know? So it's just been sort of baby steps because it takes time to at first get out of that headspace and then also find the discipline and find the motivation to start taking action on the things that you want to do. And even though Isla sometimes was at childminding and I had this time, sometimes I would just, I would still feel a little bit overwhelmed by life inside and I think that's okay. And it took me a little bit of time. Again, I would beat myself up. Oh, but you wanted this time. You should do, do, do. And if I didn't do, 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 then, you know, I would be angry at myself. Oh, I didn't make the most of it. What the fuck was I doing with my life? You know, it's, oh my gosh, <laughs> the brain, what the fuck is wrong with our brain sometimes? Honestly, like it's just nonstop running at 100 miles an hour. And sometimes you just can't quieten it. And it's so difficult. And meditation for me has been an absolute godsend. Just learning to calm my nervous system and really building the foundation inside my body to go into my rest and digest mode through through breathing so that I feel calmer, not just as a general baseline, you know, my energy is a bit calmer, but it helps me then transfer that to when I'm feeling a bit chaotic. I remember my baseline, my calm baseline, and genuinely it's helped me day-to-day -day navigate things that I never thought I'd be able to navigate. Eyeless tantrums, for example. <laughs> Let me confirm. <laughs> they are fucking chaos. What the hell? what the actual hell is going on? It's like all of a sudden your kid turns 16 months and like they're two, you hear about these terrible twos, fuck off. No, they start way earlier. Anyone telling you about terrible twos, get out. It starts before, prepare yourself. <laughs> and you know what? I'm actually really grateful because I feel prepared and now I'm actually in a position where the other day she had a really bad tantrum and I was calm. Not only was I calm towards her, you know, physically, like, I think there's one, there's one thing when your kid acts up and you're calm towards them, you know, you seem calm to them, but on the inside, you're, you're crumbling. But I felt calm inside. I actually felt like I had somewhat of a handle on the situation. And even if I didn't really, it doesn't matter because the energy was just so much more peaceful. Whereas before, it's really diff it, I found it really difficult to parent trying to exude some sort of peace to my child because she's screaming and I don't want to, you know, give her my stress. But at the same time, that's all I'm feeling. I'm literally, I'm full of cortisol. 
<laughs> I'm leaking stress from my eyeballs, my ears, every single orifice. <laughs> <laughs> and so to be able to be in a place where actually I don't feel like I'm <laughs> leaking stress and heightened emotions from my body is really, <laughs> really, really good. Um, so yeah, meditation has been great for me. I've gone off again. I've lost my train of thought. And this is why normally I make notes, but I really didn't want to, you know, be focused on my notes today I wanted to allow it to just come naturally. Um, so I hope I hope it's okay. I hope <laughs> <laughs> you're enjoying it um or you're at least relating to it um and maybe realizing that if you're experiencing this you are definitely not alone um oh yes this is what it is the other thing that I wanted to say um it's made me a better person and a better parent because you know what now I'm also in a place where and this is I know it's gonna come across like the weirdest thing to say so stupid I'm actually enjoying spending time with my kid and I feel like shy saying that and embarrassed because like she's your kid why wouldn't you want to spend time with them but no 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 <laughs> oh my god let me tell you sometimes you don't and that's okay or I mean I definitely didn't a lot of the times at the beginning and even now sometimes I'm like oh no <laughs> not another lego game <laughs> <laughs> but I actually I do want to play Lego I do want to take her out for a walk go to play groups and I'm so grateful for that and it feels so precious the time we have now is quality time pure quality time and that is something that I've changed also recently so it's been like you know steps I've taken baby steps and I think we'll all continue to take baby steps forever right because there's going to be so many different stages and challenges with you know the different stages like once you reach a milestone it's not like all of a sudden you've you've made it as a parent you're always learning you're always evolving but another thing that I started doing is so I like goes to child minding three days a week and on the two days that I'm with her I am with her I don't do anything I don't focus on my work I don't focus on my podcast I don't really worry about the house cleaning you know laundry etc etc it's just us time and oh my gosh it is so precious like is it weird to say that I feel like she's becoming my friend <laughs> I feel like that's really weird to say, but I look forward to those days. I always make sure that I plan something. We went to a messy play this week. We've often got every other week, we go to this other play group. We go to baby gym. We go out for a walk. We'll go out for a slice of cake. Do you know? And it's just like, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm like spending time with my little girl and enjoying it. Did you hear my voice? I think I heard her wanting to come up. No, I'm reco I'm recording. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> ah, Isla wants to come up. She's obsessed with climbing up the stairs. And that's the thing. She's a mummy's girl. And I like it. And I used to hate it. I used to have so much resentment towards George. Like, why doesn't she want you? You fucking take her. Because I didn't want her. I didn't want her. But now I want her so much. And I love that she's a mummy's girl. And when George picks her up and she puts her arms out to me, oh my gosh. <laughs> in my head I'm like yes and it feels so amazing to be in that place to feel like that 
Oh my gosh, guys, if you're struggling, it's okay. I promise you this time shall pass. I, oh, there is one thing that I come back to and it's called the serenity prayer. This was actually, I thought about it when in my head I was, you know, deciding whether to send Isla to childminding and it goes like this. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I really try and live by that every day as much as possible because it is so true. We need to accept the things that we can't change and that's okay. We can't do anything about them. And we need to find the courage inside of us because sometimes it's hard to change things. It's hard to change aspects of your life. Comfort is not always good for you, but it's easy. You know, when things are comfortable and admittedly, I think I've spoken about this before that actually I found a little bit of comfort in my depression because although, yeah, I was in such a bad place, I think I relied on it a little bit. It it had become my friend. It had become my friend. And it got to a point I was like, if I don't have this depression, what the fuck do I have? Like nothing. I was actually scared to leave the depression as well, right? So we need to find courage to change the things that we can change. So for example, in my, you know, in my case, in this example, get out of my depression, what do I need to do? And the wisdom to know the difference, because sometimes it's really difficult. Like, sometimes you don't know, can I change something? Like, is there anything that I can do about a situation? And actually, this brings me to a really good point. And I'm every day trying to find the line for myself. And I think this line will be different for everyone, this sort of boundary. But I think there's a fine line between wallowing in our depression. And sometimes we just need to give ourselves a kick up the bum, you know, like, when we actually just feeding the depression. And actually, Danny and I spoke about this in the episode last week. Sometimes, I know it's really hard because when you're in it, you can't really see clearly, in which case, you know, seek help. But if you're in a headspace to, I guess, almost like have a bit of an outer body experience and look at it as an outsider, do you need to give yourself a kick up the bum? And I think for me that I needed to have some firm words with myself. And be like, Magli, this isn't good. You know, either you are going to live your life like this forever and you're not going to enjoy it because who, who would enjoy that? Or you need to make a change in your life. And and I made a change. Um, aside from childminding, I really committed myself to my yoga practice, which I had started to lose. Movement for me is absolute therapy, you know, really helps my mental state beyond beyond words. I, I can't even explain it. Sometimes I'm in such a negative headspace because yes, I do have them now. <laughs> Still, let me tell you, I don't do yoga because I'm calm by nature. I fucking need that shit. <laughs> but movement in general, whatever it may be, going out for a walk, I'm a keen cyclist, love to go on my bike, um, yoga, meditation, obviously. But whenever I'm not in a great headspace and I do my movement, oh my gosh, honestly, afterwards, I feel on top of the fucking world. I literally feel like it could conquer anything. And this, for me, goes back to this idea. We forget how much the physical body and the mental body are connected. And when we feel strong physically, I think we also feel strong mentally. So movement, honestly, 
do something that challenges you a little bit physically because also not only will it challenge you physically and you'll overcome it so you'll realize how resilient you are as a person that something can be difficult but you can still overcome it and then that will be transferable mentally right that'll teach your brain that actually when new obstacles come when new challenges come your way you fucking got this yes you do mama <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Okay. I feel like I've spoken for so long. Oh, there was one more thing that I wanted to say. I'm just going to finish on a little anecdote. And I would be really interested, by the way, to hear from you guys, if you've experienced postpartum depression, what did that look like for you? If you're willing to write in and share your story, you can find me on Instagram at mummingwithmagli, or you can send me an email. My email is in the description, you know, below the, the podcast yeah, please write in. I would love to hear from you. And if, if it's okay for me to share them on the podcast, I would love to, maybe we can do a little like postpartum depression section of all of us, um, different stories and stuff, because I really think that it needs to be spoken about a little bit more. And maybe you have, you know, sort of moment that for you, you realized, okay, things are, things are really bad and I need to make a change. Um, or maybe it's just, a strange but weirdly funny anecdote, which is what I'm about to share with you guys now. I was in the supermarket with George. It was one evening, if I remember correctly, it was a Wednesday evening, and we eat soda bread at home. And we didn't have any soda bread left, so we went to Tesco's, and in the aisle, I went to the bread aisle, there was no soda bread. So I found a worker, and I said, can you help me find the soda bread? And he told me that they didn't have any soda bread. How many times can I say soda bread? <laughs> he tells me that he didn't have any in stock. And honestly, it's like my brain just completely stopped working. I looked at him and I said, what do you mean you don't have any soda bread? He said, I'm really sorry. They're going to be delivered on Friday morning. And I said, but on Thursday morning, I, I'm getting choked up. On Thursday mornings, I wake up and I need my soda bread. Are you telling me that I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm not going to have my soda bread? And he's obviously looking at me like I'm a crazy person, right? Because it's just fucking bread. Like have something else for breakfast. But it was, I felt like, you know, my, this tiny little bit of, of routine that I could cling on to was slipping away. And if I couldn't hold on to that, I was going to completely crumble and fall to the pit of the earth. Like it was... I couldn't, I couldn't compute that, I, that this little thing that I was hanging on to was going to be taken away from me by this stupid worker in Tesco's. Like, honestly, I was so angry at him. Not his fault. I'd like to confirm that I realize this now. But anyway, this goes on for a little while. Needless to say, I finally understood, okay, I'm not going to get my soda bread. And he walked away from me. <laughs> <laughs> probably quite wisely because then I completely fell to the ground crying in Tesco's and I finally picked myself up and I found George he was pushing Isla around in the supermarket and he was listening there was I don't remember the song actually I did for a long time but I've forgotten it now there was music playing in the background you know over the speakers in the supermarket and we turned the same aisle together but from different like the different sides of the supermarket and he was hitting the handlebars of the pram he was pushing Isla in the pram he was hitting the handlebars um is that what they're called just you know the bar that you push I don't know what they're called um you know banging them to the music and singing along and I saw him do that and inside I'm honestly I'm crumbling I'm dying inside I feel like I'm about to keel over and never be able to get back up again and he's fucking singing around in the supermarket you fucking joking me I was so angry and then 
I told him the situation about soda bread and I'm, you know, crying and he says, okay, let's just go home. So we go to the cashier, put all of our bits and then he says, okay, I'll be right back. I forgot something in my head. I'm thinking, fuck off. <laughs> like, we don't need what you, what you're going to get. And he comes back with all of the ingredients for the soda bread. And he says, it doesn't matter that they don't have the, <clears throat> sorry, it doesn't matter that they don't have it here. We're going to make it at home. And that way we'll never have to rely on anyone else for your soda bread. And since that day, George makes our soda bread at home every single week. <laughs> um, and we've never had to buy soda bread at the supermarket ever again. And it's okay that they didn't have it. I didn't need to cling on to that thing, you know. Um, oh, yeah. That was a big moment for me. Um, and I think for George, I don't know, actually, I'll have to ask him whether he remembers it as a big moment. It really, for me, it was a big thing in terms of, yeah, my postpartum depression. And also, I really felt the support from George. Um, and I needed to feel that. I hadn't felt that in a while. Um, and I'm, that's not to say that he doesn't show me, by the way. I think what people show us and what we feel when you're in such a headspace where the brain is actually genuinely not quite working in the way that it should be it's crazy what you take in and what you forget and that moment though felt like I could anchor myself in that moment with George um I was going to be okay we were okay I had his support I was not alone I had someone you know to to I guess you know, hold me and catch me if I was going to fall, which I've, I felt like I was falling so quickly. Um, so yeah, <laughs> gosh, this has been a bit of an emotional one, guys. I hadn't actually expected that. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Yeah, I'm going to leave it there before I continue to ramble on for forever. <laughs> I would really love to hear from you. I think this is such an important topic and we need to talk about it more and not make it the world's best kept secret that having kids is hard, especially I think on the mother because we are the primary caregiver for, for a long time, I think, especially if your partner is the one to go back to work, which in our case it is and like, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's okay, Magley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one day, one day, one day, guys, you heard it here first. One day I will be financially independent and I will be the financial provider for the family. Watch this space. Let me tell you, I'm absolutely determined. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to leave it there. I'm sending you so much love. Please, please get in touch and know that if you've experienced this or you're experiencing it right now, you are not alone. You are not alone. And I'm sending you so, so much love. Bye. Bye.